All microphones intact. Oh, I I don't have my notes. Let me uh let, let me transfer my notes from one computer to another. I wish we were recording this part. Are you recording right now? I am recording this part. <laughs> wow. Marshall's not prepared. <laughs> my sound is coming over the speaker. Sorry about that, Charlie. Oh gosh, Marshall. Not now. It's one thing after the other. What's next? Now it's all proper. Uh-huh. You got your notes? <laughs> I got enough of them. Yeah. Let's do it. Welcome, everybody, to the Draftsman Podcast, where we talk about art and being drafts and being men and women. <laughs> no, no, that didn't work. That didn't work. I'll, I'll give you another chance, though. Everyone is allowed to... That's a, been a big theme in this podcast, is that you're allowed to fail uh, before you <laughs> succeed. And so, go ahead. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Justin Podcast. My name is Deborah Mako. This is Marshall. We're going to get through this... Vandruff. Marshall Vandruff. And we're going to get through this podcast in about 10 minutes. Yeah. We're going to talk really fast. Okay. Go. Go talk. We're going to talk about strengths. 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 This came up because the first episode we did of this season was about mm -hmm. your art career. And you brought up- My art career? No, other people's art career. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> keep going, keep yeah, going, keep going. Our audience's art careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you brought up the principle of 80-20 and that so uh -huh. often we spend about 80% of our time doing the stuff that yields 20% of results and we spend about 20% of our time doing the stuff that yields 80% of the results. So why shouldn't we put 80% of our time into the stuff that yields 80% of the results? And I'm looking forward to this podcast well, so that I will well, learn. I didn't bring up 80-20. I brought up triple 80-20. Explain. Remind us what that was. Were you apply the 80-20 rule three times onto itself. So, what do the numbers end up being? It was something like 1% uh, of your effort yields 51% of your results or something ah, like that. That's right. <laughs> you did mention that. Yeah. Okay. So, let me get yeah. this right. 20% of my results come from 80% of my... No, 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 let's start again. It doesn't matter. You, the, the, the numbers aren't the important thing here. The, the, the important thing is the process to get to those to those numbers, but... Um, the applying it three times is the important thing. Yes, they, the applying it three times. If you don't get to 51-1, it doesn't matter. If you get to 3, 47, yeah. <laughs> how do you even measure this? It doesn't freaking matter. Okay, okay but, but yeah. since we're just starting and I'm a little hazy coming into this, uh, three times, say it yeah. again, say it again and slow down a little bit about how you apply it three times. Well, I'm going to say it quickly because we had it in the, the first okay. episode, so go back. But basically, you, you, you apply the 80-20 rule. You figure out the 20% of effort that yields the 80% of the results. Then you look at within those, that 20% of effort, what can you identify? What 20% of effort within ah. that yields 80% of those results? Okay. And then you do that three times and then you get to some really, really detailed, minute thing that you can do that will yield a lot of results. Like you're the most important thing that you need to figure out. That was the restaurateur's peppers, right? Yeah, yeah. 
we, we, we went over this. But the other thing I went, I talked about also was the RRR method. Triple R. Triple R. So, triple 80-20 and triple R. Okay. We got those two little things. And that was the risk reduction. Risk reduction rate. And that's where you focus on the things that will reduce the, your risk of failure instead of, conf, you know, falling trapped to confirmation bias where you just try to prove yourself right and make, you know, try to do the things that will show that you're heading down the right path. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of trying to prove that the decision I already made is the right decision. Yes. Questioning. Question, why is this wrong? What, what is yeah. the biggest threat to this failing? Yeah. And focus on fixing those problems that will be the threat to it failing. It's a celebration of the negative to create the positive. Exactly. You, d you discover the positives through getting rid of the negatives. Yeah. But if you focus on the, all the positives all the time, those negatives creep up on you and then they just like destroy all your positives. Well, I, I feel like the, the excitement about yeah. what I'm going to learn. During that episode when we talked about it, you brought up the idea that, hey, well, it's not that easy. Let's figure out how to find our strengths. Let's focus on that. So, this is what we're doing in this episode, okay. strength finding. Okay. Can you give us a synopsis of what you have to tell us today? Now, I'm not going to synopsis. Synopsi synopsizes. Synopsize is fine. <laughs> Synopsize. I like synopsis. Um, I'm just going to start. Okay. <laughs> the synopsis is we're going to talk about strengths. All right. I'm ready for you <laughs> to begin. The first thing I want to say is that I, I never really went through a process of trying to find my strengths. I think that the way I naturally just found them is by doing a lot of stuff. And I think that's actually just an important part of the process, even if you do try to do it intentionally. Mm-hmm is you can't find your strengths if you haven't tried a lot of different things. So, you need experience. Okay. And so, that kind of goes along with, uh, I'm going to bring up Malcolm Gladwell again. Or <laughs> right, wait. No, sorry. 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 Not, not Malcolm Gladwell. Oh. God, what's his name? Uh, Seth Godin. The, the, Seth, no, the commencement speech. Oh, oh, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman's, it goes along with that thing where his first rule or his first piece of advice is just do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's very important. You just gotta you just gotta start doing stuff, heading down some path. Otherwise, you have no information to go off of to make any decisions whatsoever. You're bl completely blind. Mm -hmm. So, in order to find your strengths, you gotta experiment. You gotta date around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you know what do you what you like if you don't date around? No, I'm just kidding. I I only basically had one serious <laughs> girlfriend in my life and I ended up marrying her. So, I, I don't know why I'm giving that advice. <laughs> oh, dear. The implications. Uh, and also, don't date around. If you find that thing you love right away when you're 13. Yeah. So, just stick with it. <laughs> oh, there was a guy. I'm sorry. I can't remember his name, but I might have mentioned him in our first season who saw a piano in a Bugs Bunny cartoon when he was four years old and knew that that was his instrument for mm. life. So, yeah, it yeah. does happen. But I mean, I knew I loved to draw and, I, and paint when I was very young, but I still did so many other things to just because I was just interested and, and I wanted to try other things, you know, soft, you know, programming, animation, um, anyway, whatever, lot, lot, lots of stuff. But that stuff helped me discover that it's not really drawing and painting that I love. Mm -hmm. It's the process of creating something that I love. Yes. 
and that that's where my strengths are is is creating stuff um and i don't need to paint i don't i don't need to do any of that stuff as long as i'm making something i'm happy yeah yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Let me let me tell you about mine. I did fall mm-hmm. in love with drawing uh, in my my middle school years. So I must have been 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there. Uh, but it wasn't just falling in love with drawing, much more than with painting. Uh, it was what you said. It was I was in my dad's studio and I did a little drawing that kind of worked, and there was a feeling I love to be in an environment, the environment says, this is what this is for. This is what you're going to do. You've done it and you got into a zone and there was so much satisfaction in that. It it reverberated out to other things, to writing and reading, yeah. very much to reading and just conversations. Anything where there is a ritualized focus and concentration was, uh, was the big process I fell in love with, but it was specifically lines on paper that looked like something. Yeah. How old were you? 11, 12, 13. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's same here. There was, a, there was another side to it too, which is seeing other people do it. Seeing the Mad Magazine artists do what they did was another thing. And children's book writers and illustrators mm-hmm. really wanting to do that. But I'm straying from where we're going, which is to find strengths by first finding loves. Even if you suck at the thing you love doing... <laughs> Enjoying doing something will often lead to being good at it <laughs> because because it, it will I know like let's say you are good at something naturally like your body is just built for lifting heavy things right mm-hmm. you you just got the genetics but you you don't like construction or you don't like power lifting competitions or whatever it is you know you 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 just don't enjoy it then who cares if you're naturally good at something. If you don't enjoy it. I have always felt that way and I still do, but there is an important qualifier on here and that is the, the, uh, the amateur auditioner who loves doing something and puts other people through it and it's so excruciating to endure it that there does come a point where the love of doing it, you know, singing before a podcast, for example is not necessarily the thing that everybody else is going to love. It's There is a balance of do you do it well enough to where another person should be, uh, would want to be put through it. I know it's a qualifier, but I say it because of times when it's it's really rough on the fact that I love doing this, therefore you should love uh, attending to it. Well, yes. So, there has to be an overlap with those things. Where the overlap is, is where you're going to find probably the most success. But I would say start with the things you love. (laughs) I would too. And within those things, discover what you are actually good at. Agreed. Okay. Now, we're starting (laughs) with loves. Let's, but we're, we don't want to end on loves because we want to go to where we find out that we really do this in a way that we can get rewarded for it, that we feel good about what we've done uh, because other people feel good about it as well. And mm-hmm. the point that you made in that, that first episode was that maybe we should dig down more into this digging down into what our strengths are. Wait, what? We should take this- <laughs> We're doing a lot of digging. Yeah, we what we should you? take this episode <laughs> yeah. to dig into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Should I get my shovel? Okay. Yeah, I want you to yeah. get out the the uh the tools that you need <laughs> to help me as a person 
who's tuning into okay. this podcast for the first time saying, Got who it. are these people and what do they have to offer me? What do you have to offer them? One thing I remember reading a long time ago, I think it was from Tim Ferriss. He said something along the lines of like emailing a bunch of people that you're close to and asking them about your strengths and your weaknesses mm -hmm. and it, just send them like a survey or something. Or have them res respond, but sometimes be doing it anonymously can get you better results, I think. Right? If they aren't afraid of hurting your feelings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they're close to you, they're not going to tell you your weaknesses if they know you're going <laughs> to yeah. hear what they, you know, know that they're the ones saying it. So, you know, send them an anonymous survey and they could just like tell you what you're good at, what you're bad at. And, and then when the results start coming in, don't... Uh, <laughs> Don't worry about who says this stuff. Just imagine this is just coming from the universe. This is like facts about you, right? Mm -hmm. And this is like a learning experience. And you, you know, you're, you're going to get a lot of really good feedback because you have these perceptions about yourself. But then when you start getting other people's uh, observations of you, they might not match what you know about yourself or think about yourself, especially if those observations start to... Uh, a line between many people. If you start seeing people repeating the same stuff, it's probably true and you, you know, Indeed. good for the good and the bad. You might not realize you have a strength and people and but everybody around you does know that you have the strength. So, I, I never tried this on my own but I, I, uh, I feel like I got this naturally just through growing up in a Russian family. Tell me more. <laughs> because, how, how does it happen that in a Russian family it would be different? Well, well they're very blunt. Uh -huh. Everybody's very blunt with each other. Mm -hmm. they, they don't hold back. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> they just tell you what they think about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, and your, the, your strengths and your weaknesses. They're very, it's like when they find, when they see something they really like about you, they'll just be like, oh my God, you're so, you're so this and that. And, and you'll just be complimented and kissed uh -huh. on the cheek. And, <laughs> and, and, and then, and, you know, and then when, when you are really bad at something, you know, my dad will come up and be like, man, you just really suck at this. Yeah. <laughs> you really don't do this yeah. well. I'm like, what the hell, dad? <laughs> so, it, it was, I didn't really need to get a survey out there. I would just, my whole life growing up, I would just constantly be given this feedback whether I wanted it or not. So, what about you though? Did you ever, you ever survey anybody? Uh, I, I've done it a little, yeah. The, when this, this book Strengths Finder was going around... Uh, in friends and family, that was where those conversations began. And oh, also late late 20th century, 1998, 99, 2000, I had a student who was doing her master's thesis on the Myers-Briggs David Kiersey temperament profiles. And when I got talking with her, I spent a year and a half delving into it because my first response was this explains so much about why some people don't get along is because their temperament and values, what they feel is most important, do not align with another person's and each one of them can be strong in what they do, but that strength can rub up against another person's love of bringing it to closure when you love keeping options open. Those kinds of things. On, on, on Kiersey's system, that is the, uh, the P to J, uh, perceiver or prober, to judge yeah. or closer. Uh, those things really made sense to me. So, I followed them through. I even put together a seminar on it, on artistic temperaments 
an achievement wow. to to Wait, yeah to, to carry really? through with it because it is useful, but it's also limited. Now, rather than Wait, can I can I how do we get access to this seminar thingy? We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it eventually as a proco course, maybe. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Stan, here's one of the reasons. I want, I want to know now. I say in my seminar that the tests are practically worthless to take <laughs> because it means that you just have one opportunity after another after another to lie about yourself and not even know that you're lying because you think you're one yeah. way when you're actually another way. And the better way to know who you are temperament-wise is to listen to what your family gripes about, what people around you have griped about all your life, and then you'll see that is probably the downside. Right. Uh, the negative side of what could be something that you are strong on and that you, you defend. I got an idea. Go ahead. How about you ask three to five of your closest people in your life to take your, that test for you, mm -hmm. And then you take the the average of each answer as the true the better truth. Good thinking. I I, I would <laughs> ah. write it down, but oh. since this is a podcast, I'll just watch that part on repeat till I sink it into my brain. <laughs> we should try that though. Seriously, because you've taken that test, right? Right, probably several times already in your life, right? No, I have never taken it. What? I got sick of it. 10 questions in, tried against la again later, and, oh, and really? 12, 15 questions in, I thought, no, this is ridiculous, because it's like with our podcast, every question, the answer is depends. But it, you you know so much about each j letter, C, B, D, yeah, J, yeah. whatever, C, I do. J, F, K, Z, how, how do you know about all that stuff about each personality type without ever really doing it yourself? What is it? From a year and a half of making it the constant topic of conversation among people who cared about it and and also without ever doing it yourself no, i didn't take the test stan how do you go a year and a half it constantly is talking so about it? easy can i give a one minute version of what yes, it is please, okay please if, if, if they don't know what myers-briggs is this is probably okay so confusing to them carl jung got this started in the early 20th century myers-briggs a mother-daughter team developed it in the mid-20th century for corporations to help them. And then David Kiersey started running with it in the 80s or 90s. What is it? What is it? What is it? It is to understand temperament on four different polarities, four different sets of opposites, extrovert, introvert. If you're right in the middle, that doesn't help you much. But if you're really extroverted or really introverted, it's obviously a temperamental leaning. The next one, is intuitive or sensory. Intuitive is inside your head. Whether you're a feeler or a thinker, you spend a lot of time inside your head. Sensory is the external world, what can be seen, felt, more outside oriented. The third polarity is some people bow to logic more, some people bow to relationships more. That is thinking versus feeling. It's the only one that the research showed a gender difference on. And then the final one is keeping options open and keeping options closed. But when you see these in extremities with people, it's really obvious that some people want to come to closure quickly. Some people want to keep options open. Some people are exhausted after social occasions. Some people are invigorated after them. And so that's where it helps. And then you get four big categories and 16 variants out of this. Now, here's where I know what I am on that spectrum. All my life, I don't notice things in the concrete, tangible world. 
Uh, you can rearrange furniture. And when I come into a room, I don't notice that the furniture is rearranged. And if you asked me to describe a person, I mean, physically, what they were wearing, I never remember what people are wearing. But I remember right. every aspect of the conversation. And some people, many people, something like 80% of people, according to Kiersey's research, are on the opposite side of that spectrum. They don't remember the train of thought of the conversation, but they do remember what a person was wearing and all of the other tactile sensory things. So yeah. that is an okay. example, is that when you're on an extreme of one of those polarities, then you, you can say, I lean this way, and your training will either be to work on something to help you make up for that, or to say, this is what I'm strong with anyway, I might as well work my strength yeah. so that I'll compete better. Oh, is that That's it? it? That, was, that was the shortest I could do. I said one minute and I took about three. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about like, but the thing is about this test is... You mean the caveat... It's, uh, it's, the, the, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, te <laughs> the, the whole system is shot with defects and 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 uh, blinders and inconsistencies. The more you study it, the more you see. At first, you see how valuable it is, but then uh -huh. as you go on, you start to see that you can have two people. I have two friends who tested as ISFPs, and you could not find two people more different in their personalities. But one of the things <laughs> Kiersey said is that temperament is yeah. not personality. But okay, so so th this system is flawed. Do you have a better system? No. Yeah, oh, no? yes, yes. I, oh, I have a much I better system. <laughs> that was a setup. Yeah, I, I have a much better system. In that yeah. seminar, we spend the first half of the seminar on the, on the Kiersey system, the Myers-Briggs system, and then we show how it's flawed. And then when we come back, we go to the age old wisdom that was around long before psychological research. And it was to compare yourself and the people around you with natural phenomena, with, with, with weather, with an element what? that you are earth, you are solid, oh, you are constant, you are wind, you're your uh, moods change regularly. You are fire, useful but destructive, and so on. Uh, animals, comparing yourself with How animals. How is this different? How is that different from associating yourself to uh, a word like Here. introvert or extrovert? Here is how it's different. It does not pretend to be scientific. The Myers-Briggs-Kiersey system <laughs> okay. is, is uh, very soft science, as people have pointed out. And okay. metaphor is emotional and it accounts for contradiction. That's one of the most maddening things about that, that uh, temperament profile system is yeah. that it does not account for contradiction. Now, the Enneagram and some others, astrological charts and, and some others, they do account for contradiction. But as soon as you move from something that was based on research, Myers-Briggs, to the Enneagram, then to the astrological chart, you are moving further away from psycho psychological research and you're moving more toward intuitions and insights. And so that's what I do as, as a better system is why not take a few months or a few years to look around at your relationships as 
uh, and the people around you and yourself as a different kind of animal so that you can say that the bear, when it comes out of hibernation, is not to be messed with. But then in the afternoon after it's had a meal, it's more playful. And then you've got much richer uh, arena of understanding each other and you can be different animals and different weather at different times. Some people are okay. lightning storms. They're exciting but they do a lot of damage. Uh, some people are constant, like a rock, but they're also pretty boring. You don't go to them for something that's uh, exciting. So that's where I, I aim students. And for some people, it's much harder, but even the people for whom it's much harder are a particular type. They're just the kind of person, I have a hard time comparing myself, myself to weather or animals. Um, yeah, I feel like I would hate doing this <laughs> like listening to you say this i feel like i don't want to take the time to 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 think about what animal i you am you do it with <laughs> cooper already and you do it with quinn and all people what do you mean all people in love do you liken your beloved to something else that they remind you of <laughs> uh, uh, an animal a rabbit a kitten a, uh, a food, a strawberry. Uh, you, 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 you do this naturally in relationships. Uh oh, here comes the party pooper. All right, there's Miss Sunshine. <laughs> you, you're you're going to do that because okay. you're emotionally connected, and it's out of those emotions that personal insights come. So that's anyway. Now I know I'm going on too long. I don't know if I'm the one that is, is finding those relationships. If I said, "Here comes Miss Sunshine," it's probably because I've heard somebody say that phrase before. When they when they're referring to some really happy person, I, I'm not looking for the metaphor myself. I'm just repeating common phrases. Oh, but you but you do when you are close do to I? someone and you observe them, you start to see the volcano is getting ready to erupt. Get out of the way. You start to see people as things okay. that they remind you of. It is just it's a universal human okay. thing. All children do it, and all all grown ups do it with their. Their children in close relationships. It's a natural thing. Now, Stan, okay. we were supposed to be talking about strengths, and I've spent all of this time talking about my my <laughs> assessment of of supposed psychological profiling with ancient ways of understanding people. This, this is part of finding your strengths, though, isn't it? It is part of finding your strength. If you yeah. can say, "I am a rock." I am an island. <laughs> then you say, is that really a good description of me? And you can say, yeah, okay, what are the good things and the bad things about it? And then you're digging around. Even when we're talking about digging around for your strengths, we're assuming that we've got strengths in there that are going to take some excavating and that we have not looked into ourselves to see what we're best at. So we're doing it right now just by titling this. But in order to figure out that you're a rock, yeah. Or you're a puppy or a kitten. Yeah. You first have to identify specific traits about you and then figure out what animal is associated with that strength or weakness, right? Yeah. So, why, why even attach an animal to it if you've already just discovered the thing? <laughs> Say like I'm I'm a, I'm very thick skinned, right? There, there's no reason to, uh, unless unless you feel it. Uh, when in when you have a small child and you liken the child to a monkey. A five-year-old boy is a monkey. 
And when you you liken it over and over, but in what way? Now, 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 they, they, they like to eat a lot of bananas. No, or no. They, is that they or they're they wild? crawl all over everything? <laughs> they're wild. They're in motion. Okay, I had a student once say once I don't like the idea. Just she objected to the idea of likening children to monkeys. Why not just why not just call them children? And my response was <laughs> because there's no fun in that. There's no play in that. There's no affection in that. The way there is when you look at the kid and you see how much you are like another thing, there is, there's inventiveness in that. So, so okay. when you say, yeah, why not okay. just say you are a human child? The offspring well, no. of the bodies of your parents. That's I don't mean being literal like that. Human child actually doesn't say anything about you. There's so many different types of human children. Yeah. I mean, like if you're if you if you figure out, okay, I'm thick skinned. Mm -hmm. You could stop right there and be like, I'm thick skinned. Yeah. I understand what that means. Why do you have to go? I mean, okay, <laughs> the fun part of it, I get it, but like. It's like I okay now I have to say oh I am a pig. No, because <laughs> pigs you just, have thick skin. You just did it when you called yourself thick skinned. Oh, oh, that was you called yourself. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, if thick you're thin skinned, it's like you are so sensitive to everything. It's like you don't have any skin. Right. You're like a flayed figure. Every little bit of dust makes you go oh. And when you're thick skinned, yeah. yeah, you have used a a a word picture. Okay. Okay. So it's not the animal part that matters. It's it's any kind of analogy. Okay. I guess. <laughs> okay. We're, we're going back it. to I last year's lesson on composition, though. It is the likening of one thing to another that gives a little spark of insight. This is a way, though, that families play anyway. If you are around people, you do this anyway. You liken roommates to types. Yeah. And when you do that. And when a number of people all see the same thing and agree on it, then you can be pretty sure this person has those qualities. It seems like there's still a big step missing here. Okay. Because in order to figure out that I am thick-skinned, I have to go through some process to figure that okay. out, right? I want to know what you learned from this book. Can you, can you take me through the process? I want to learn about myself. I, I can. <laughs> all right. Let's do this. This book, Strengths Finder, it's a list of 34 strengths. Ah, Jesus Christ. Never mind. <laughs> I thought this was going to be fun. Where did you tune out? Was it at the word 34? <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> it's a list of 34 strengths based on years of research and millions of people interviewed. Uh, the kind of interviewing that scientists sometimes don't like. But let's set aside that. I think it is a well-observed list of the 34 qualities you can name in a human being that you could call a strength, like an achiever, a maximizer, an includer, a communicator. And they are listed in alphabetical order. And I'm not a big fan of alphabetical order, but it means, though, <laughs> yeah. that in this book, you can just go through the 34 and say, I think I've got that, and I think I've got that, and oh, I know that Stan has that. And you can say, let's find out more about this and then look it up in that encyclopedia of the book to read about it. But it starts with a pep talk and an explanation or a, a pitch, I'd say that if we would pay more attention to strengths instead of weaknesses, we might be happy and we might do better. 
It's a dubious claim, but I will grant it for the enjoyment of reading this book. Why not spend some time listing all of the good qualities that a human could have and then saying, of these 34, I think there are a few in there that I qualify for. Okay. And there are a few in there that my friends qualify for. And then we get ourselves talking about affirming labels. I like that idea. Okay. So is there a process it takes you through or is it like a like an encyclopedia of a, like a list and then you just kind of choose your own adventure? You, you're like, oh, I like this one. I want to learn about it. And then you go and you read about it. There's a process and you, it's to take a test. How long, how long does it take? I don't know. I haven't taken the test and I'm not going to. The test take. How long does the test take? (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) Sorry. I have no interest in the test. I I would have interest in the test if I was doing, if I was working on tests so that I could go through it and whine and say, this could have been a better question. But I'm very critical of those things. Sorry. Marshall, you you said you're going to take me through the process. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to take you through the process in this way. By the end of this, I want to know my strength. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll work with you right now. <laughs> okay, let's do it. First of all, it's in alphabetical order. Sorry. God, okay, yeah. I'm going to read that's, that's, a number of these. Uh, okay, activator. Activator, what does that mean? Uh, a person who gets things done. Okay. Communication. A person who can explain things well and likes to. Connectedness. A person who relationships and bringing people together is important to them. Consistency, (laughs) deliberative, developer, discipline, empathy, focus, ideation, includer, intellection, learner. You're a learner. That's one of the first ones I put on you. Uh, Maximizer, uh, self-assurance, strategic. Woo. Woo, W-O-O, is winning others over. (laughs) Uh, Some people have a gift of getting things done because they connect with people and they like them and they're persuasive. Uh, So, those are that's a a little smattering of those 34 strengths. But here Mm. is one of the things that StrengthsFinder could do as a textbook to help, is that you've got a list of 34 good qualities and you can say, I want this one more. Another is context. I never was good at context, but there are some people who have the strength of context. That is to be able to see how things relate to what happened earlier and how they relate to what's happening now with all the other stuff around. Context is so important in in life. And if we don't have one of these strengths and then we take some time to read what a person who has a good sense of context has. It's like a little profile of pursue this virtue. And in order to pursue it, meditate on it first. Understand it. Get a picture of what it's like. One of the things they do, the second thing that they do with each one of these strengths is they say what it sounds like. And then they give a quote from a person who's really extreme on that strength. And you can tell within the first sentence of what they say, this person's values are highly prioritized to be strategic or to get things done, whatever the case, or to make sure everybody feels are okay, or to make sure there's a good plan before we put things into action. So you get to sort of pick up the voice 
of a person who has that strength. Yeah, that's good. That's a probably a, a really good way of helping you identify and learn about each of these. I wonder if there's been any studies around this specific list of the most successful teams. Oh, yeah. yeah. And what combinations are like the best? Like you just get data on thousands of teams and how successful they are and see if there's any patterns on combinations. This book actually does have, a, okay, it, first, first it gives you a pep talk and a pitch for why we should pay attention to strengths. Then it gives you a, uh, uh, the entries of the 34 strengths. And each one of these entries starts with a description of that strength. Okay. Usually a flattering description so that if you read it, you say, oh, that's me. Then it gives you some ideas for action, some things that if you have this strength, here's what you could and should do to make the most of it. And then it, uh, it, it gives you some warnings, some things to watch out for, but it, it explains who you can team up with best. Oh, okay. A compliment? Yes. A person with command, for example who uh, takes charge of situations and gets things done, but also can alienate people because they take charge of the situation is good yeah. to team up with a relator, a connector, a person with woo, for example, to help counterbalance. Yeah. Okay. And then the final thing uh, in these entries is if you are working with someone who has this strength, here's what we recommend for how to work with them. It's sort of like, here's what kind of food will best appeal to this animal to get them to do what you would like them to do. So each entry is mm. divided into some portions. They're only three or four page entries. They're short entries. So it is very well laid out so that if you decide, I'm going to use this as a part of how I work with my team and my friends. It's, it's a useful resource. It certainly was the result of a lot of work for whatever criticisms people have of it. Yeah. Now, should we go to you? Should we get to you? Sure, sure. Out of those 34, which 34 are my strengths? Here's, here's the first one. The first, <laughs> you didn't get my The joke. first one is futuristic. Oh, that was one of yeah. those? Yeah. I didn't mention it, but futuristic is one of them. Okay, I'm going to write these down. Futuristic. Stan Prokopenko okay. is futuristic. That is, he gets excited about optimism for what could happen with these new tools and what, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is so yes. you. Another is- you, you already said learning. Learner. Yeah, okay. At first I thought analytical, because analytical is one of them. And then I thought, no, Stan, if I'm going to have to choose five, analytical has a, according to their definition of it, has a prove it attitude. And you've got some of that, but it is so concerned- What do you mean? What is prove it? Prove it. You're making a claim? Prove it. Oh, oh, prove it. <laughs> okay. I want to know what all of the scientific evidence is there. And their bent goes that way so much so that they, they might be better off as a challenging mm. attorney. But learner, you are definitely a learner. Right. Okay. The next one is achiever. I, no, wait, hang on. I thought it was achiever. <laughs> but then achievers have a hard time turning it off. They have a hard time getting away from work. And I've watched you and that you can boil your work week down to about an hour work week. And I think there's a better one that fits your achieving profile. And that is maximizer. Okay. A maximizer looks at it and says, I could get more done with less. 
And that's even what brought up this whole episode is the 80-20 rule. I think that you naturally <laughs> tend toward maximizing. So that's what I'd put on mm. you. But I still do have a hard time not working. So we're going to have to grant you seven strengths. Up to maybe 34. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we're going to end on is all 34 strengths. <laughs> He's just going to keep going. <laughs> no. Uh, one of them was strategic. But then I thought, no, I'm around people who are extremely strategic. My older brother is extremely strategic ever since he yeah. was little. And I know a few people like that that are so strategic that I wouldn't necessarily say that you hit that as much as two others that fit you. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm very strategic. The two that fit you uh, are self-assurance. <laughs> More like e ego, right? Is that what that means? A self-assurance is a person who knows they've got something to offer. And ego is the downside <laughs> of it. You know, they make a little yeah. bit of the downside of these things, not as much as I would. Yeah. But self-assurance is what people have who, if they are going to be in front of the audience, in front of the camera, if their name's going to be on the product, there is a confidence of my name ought to be on the product because this is my thing. And you, you, you see it in some great achievers, actually. You can't spell self-assurance without ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Very good, what's the next boy. one? <laughs> uh, the, the final one that I have for you is significance. Significance is what, what Steve Jobs made a big deal out of. Why, why is he putting all this energy into doing Apple? back when it was uh, moving forward and innovating and doing all that. So, what is the point? You know, is it to make money? No, it wasn't to make money. Is to make people's lives easier? Mm, yeah, but I don't sense he's a guy who wants to make people's lives easier. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> he, he said something like it was to make a ding in the universe. Yeah. So, what does that mean? That my voice went out and it made a difference. Everybody, everybody right. wants significance. Leho Segri in his book, The Art of Dramatic Writing, and many people who've written, Dale Carnegie pointed out, this is one of the most important emotional needs we have in life is to be significant in the lives of yeah. others, even if we act badly to do it. But there are some people who that is their strength is that they are significant. They start a company and it does turn an industry around. And to act like that isn't a strength would be seems seems silly. So yeah, I would get, I I would land on these five for you. Futuristic, learner, uh maximizer, self-assurance, and significance. And that's after okay. having given it 20 minutes, half hour of thought yesterday, specifically just wow. to you. But Wow, you spent 30 minutes on me? Well, I spent about uh, six or seven hours yesterday in this book. I very much enjoyed uh, it. Now that sounds like a very yeah, little Yeah, so it was, yeah, you only got a small percentage <laughs> of it. Still, you're significant. It's still. Uh, yeah, cool. Now, does it say to identify the five that you least identify with? Yeah, yeah, that that, yeah, that, that gets like brought that up, that you look at the ones that okay. would be, okay, let me bring up a criticism of this. There are, <laughs> okay. there are a number of criticisms of this, uh, uh, this system. Uh, one of them- No animal associations, right? They need yeah, to- Yeah, that's, that's my criticism of it. Not enough animal associations. Futuristic, I'm a robot. Yeah. Let me tell you some Learner. thoughtful people's criticisms. This is not based on scientific evidence. The, the research is based on, on research. But the conclusions that focusing on your strengths makes teams better 
is has not mm. been researched enough to make the claim. But there is another thing. There is another thing. And it's what Robert McKee called negaphobia. There is such a concern with keeping it positive that keeping it mm. positive can end up being something negative because it does not acknowledge where the problems are. And there is a little bit of acknowledging of the problems in here. But there is not as much. If I were to rewrite this thing or have some fun with it, I think every one of these chapters should include a worst case scenario that this yeah. strength, when amplified unchecked, can become this toxic and see if we could make it entertaining by seeing how far we could push it to disaster. Let's go through my weaknesses. Uh, no, no. Let's, oh, you can't let's, think of any? Let's not yet. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think that it would be worth taking time with each one of these to give some thought to the downside of it and then ask, do I need to work on that or do uh -huh. I need to team up with someone who mm. will counterpoint it? That is the whole thing right. about the relationship between good cop and bad cop. One of them, it lays down the law and one of them makes the person feel better about the fact that the law is going to be laid down one way or another. I'm just going to try to make you feel like I'm on your side. It is a teaming up. Yeah, that, that's the whole point of what I was thinking of is if you identify the five that you least are like, that will help you find somebody that could help you yeah. with that. If you're going to start a business or if you're, if you're hiring someone to help you, yeah. like why not find that person that could fill in those gaps? Yeah. Not to just like know why you suck. But well, hey, <laughs> but before we make comparisons, I'm going to list my strengths. Or the ones that I'm yeah. that in discussing it with other people over those few years we were doing this. No, it's okay. You can decide on these on your own. You don't have to say. I can be more <laughs> self-assured. Yes. <laughs> it's one, you it's one of to... my weaknesses. Okay, here we oh. go. Uh, Marshall is a learner. <laughs> I know that I'm a learner because okay. of the joy in music and movies and and authors and looking them up on Wikipedia so that I can't even watch a movie yes. without a week of research on it. Uh, I thought <laughs> analytical, but then when I thought about the proving and disproving, proving and disproving is not that important to me. It's more intellection. Intellection is where this person really likes to take time to think things through from as many angles as possible. And then that leads to the third one, which is ideation. Oh, I love ideation too. I know you do. I know you do. But we had to <laughs> we had to put some limits on this. We're limiting them to five. Okay. Okay. The the third one is communication. <laughs> I'll trade you one of mine for one of yours. Well, we could see we are doing that. We're doing that with this podcast. <laughs> if a strength with was youth and old age. <laughs> yeah, we're we're balancing. Uh okay. Uh communication, which is one that I never signed up for and never understood until as time when that's why I didn't finish with school is because I never had any expectation to be a teacher. I just sort of got elected by people around me who would give me opportunities to explain. And I found that my energy likes to go there. Clarifying is fun. It's like finding dirty coins and cleaning them up. And so, yeah, communication is one. And then the last two would be either relator or empathy or connector. It's hard to say, but I think when I read the profiles, empathy is something that I can turn off and really be unempathetic. But okay. I think that there is a natural, uh, on, this, on the Kiersey Myers-Briggs spectrum, it's feeler versus thinker. I thought of myself for most of my adult life as a thinker because 
I was raised in an environment that prized logic over emotion, thinking over feeling. But I came to the conclusion in my 40s, you have never been inclined to be a thinker that is the logic side of thinking so much as the emotional side of thinking. And that would be empathy or relator or connector. Now, is learner not connected to a thinker? Uh, those, Those relationships between these strengths are fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Because who chooses these 34 terms? The researchers. (laughs) And my, I've got a huge gripe with the Kiersey system uh, that uses the word perceiver instead of prober, uh, that uses the word judge instead of closure. I have a huge gripe with these terms, but once, if we're going to take the time to use that system, we have to spend some time. And here, Stan, is where I think it's useful. Learner implies thinker and analytical uh, and intellection. Mm -hmm. But then when you take (laughs) the time to read the profiles and you say, when they use that term, They emphasize this leaning of the term or this leaning of the term. But just to talk about that, as we are right now, just to talk about this among friends for a a while means that you get your head around human strengths. So, it's, it's a great little meditation, if nothing else. Yeah, this process, uh, it, it is, I think very good to go through with people. I remember actually the, when I was introduced to the Myers Briggs um, by a friend. It's at school. We, it was at Watts Atelier, and you know we would always hang out with students. Would hang out, and we went over to someone's house, and she was like, "Look at this book I found," and and we we like read the first chapter or something, and then we're like, "Let's all take the test," and then we spent like a whole day taking the test and talking about it and like analyzing each other. And be like, no, you're not that, and like, and, and like, basically learning about each, ourselves, yeah. um, and that I think that was very useful. And, and and was it fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was like it was like playing board games, like right, it was like, but we're like doing this book thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the ultimate nerd board game. Now the things that we are not, uh, yeah. I know that I am not competitive, and that was ever since I was a child. I don't care if somebody really wants to win, why don't we just say that you won from the beginning and that way we can play. Another one is I'm not strategic, which the two go together. If you're competitive, you're probably strategic. I don't think about strategies in relationships and other things. It's My energy just doesn't go there. Uh, adaptability. I've proven to be adaptable in some instances, but but uh, it's not something I incline toward. Uh, and in fact, you've got a number of the qualities that I feel like I am weakest on. Uh, and how about you? Do you... F- youth? Uh, no, I had youth. Hair? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want it back. Be nice, <laughs> nice to get a wig that would make it so I could play a character who kept his hair all the way through, but I don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, le- let me tell you one of the ones that I saw that you do not have this strength. Okay. It's empathy. Yeah, I know. That was like, like that was the yeah, one you, that I was like, oh, yeah, that's not Yeah. That, <laughs> that's one of the ones that stood out. <laughs> Stan's not that empathetic. It's like, what? You get over it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Marshall, thank you for complimenting me. <laughs> I'm surprised ego wasn't, oh, self-assurance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. 
my self-assurance has been tickled <laughs> and I feel happy now. Great. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else about Strength Finder you want to know? Because you've got stuff that you have intended to say that you haven't said yet, right? It, it was about the what we were talking about, how you know enjoying something versus being good at something, yeah. how they don't always align, but you got to find the match. Yeah. I, I said, focus on the things you're good at and then with from those, figure out what you enjoy. No, the other thing. <laughs> I said, focus on the things you enjoy and then within those, find which ones you're actually good at. Yes. There, there is actually the opposite angle though, mm -hmm. because sometimes you, you might grow up doing, you know, doing something you're good at for a long time and then realize you actually don't enjoy yeah. it. You can learn a lot about yourself from that though too, because you're good at it. Like let's, let's say you're, you're, you're really good at like uh, um, chess or something, but you really just don't enjoy it. Um, chess is not your strength. There's some underlying strengths there that might lead to other things that you will be just as good at and will enjoy. I understand. You know, you might just be really good at strategic thinking. That's right. Right? And, and you don't have to apply strategic thinking to chess. You can apply it to developing a business or, or helping people do something. Yes. Right? Like, like there's so many different applications to that one strength. You can identify your underlying strengths from the things you're good at but don't enjoy and carry them over. If a person is good at chess, that means they've got the intuitive side of the, of the Myers-Briggs system. They're in their head. They're probably thinkers, analytical and strategic, but they might say, by the time I've done well, I've won a chess game. So what? Yeah. It doesn't affect people's lives. And so there's got to be another thing. I had a, a student who took classes with me for years who has been a successful attorney. He makes a good living as an attorney with a single client. And he decided in middle age to study art. And his whole reasoning, as he explained it, is that I want something I can hold in my hand and show at the end of the day for the work. Whereas uh -huh. as an attorney, there was nothing really concrete that came out of it. So, right. and, and when he went about learning uh, uh, watercolor and anatomy, he went about it very much. Uh, like a lawyer? Like a, yeah, like a lawyer. He did. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. He'd get all the parts out and really see which ones are the most important ones to learn and really organize with it. It was very interesting to see. That's the great thing about art is that you could literally have any combination of strengths and be a good artist because there's so m many elements to art Yeah, that you could you can come in from one side and have your own unique thing and somebody else could be strong in something completely different and also be a really good artist and there's room for a literally any type of person in art. There's going to, there's a garbage truck coming, just a little, little warning, yeah. I knew there was something missing. <laughs> There's been enough garbage in what they've been talking about. I want something to comment on it. <laughs> I think it's so funny that we record these on Garbage Day <laughs> every week. Garbage Day? Huh? No! <laughs> so literally every episode is Garbage Day. It's how day. people will remember it. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I used to really enjoy sifting through the garbage and then I found out it wasn't the classiest thing to do. Now, okay, I actually do have a question. 
Let's say you identify, okay? I find my five. I'm futuristic learner, maximizer, self-assurance, significance. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Now what? Okay, how, how do I use this to my advantage? How do I maximize <laughs> uh, this knowledge about myself? Let's just look up the maximizer and I'll tell you if there's something in here. Excellence, okay. not average, is your measure. <laughs> Taking something from below average to slightly above average takes a great deal of effort and, in your opinion, is not very rewarding. Transforming something strong into something superb takes just as much effort, but it is much more thrilling. You get the idea. Okay. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's cool. Ideas for actions. Okay, there you go. Seek roles in which you are helping people succeed. You do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Devise ways to measure your performance and the performance of others. You do that. Uh, once you've identified your own greatest talents, stay focused on them. Refine your skills. Uh, okay. Develop a plan to use your most powerful talents outside of work. Okay. Uh, problem solving might drain your energy and enthusiasm. Look for a restorative partner who can be your chief troubleshooter and problem solver. You do that. Study success. You do that. You listen to Mixergy over and over and over. <laughs> Not Deliberately spend time with people who have discovered their strengths. By the way, Marshall, I had my Mixergy interview this morning. I know. Yeah. Tell us about it. I was on Mixergy. You were on Mixergy. You were a guest. <laughs> you went from yes. being a fan to being a participant. To being a man. Tell us about it. <laughs> from fan to man. From fan to stand. Oh, man. <laughs> it was it was fun. It was great. <laughs> it's, it's a, Are you happy with how it went? I, I think it went really well, yes. And uh, I think it'll come out before this episode comes out. So. Well, that means we can let everybody know that if you want more, go here. If you want, if you want to listen to me talk some more. After that NFT one, you're going to have people who say, <laughs> no, no thanks. Or, yeah, yeah, futuristic. Yeah. Well, there's so much in here. Yeah. I'm going to, but that gives you an idea. That you look up one of these strengths that you say, hey, here's my suggestion. Here's my suggestion for this book. I think the best way into this is to look over the list with somebody and find out which ones are close enough to you and the person you're doing this with to actually look them up and read them. Yeah. And that's going to take care of at least five right there, maybe 10. And then you've got another 24 to look over and you bring other people in it. And so you're only digging where there's something that you care about is how did... How do the experts categorize my strengths? That's a great way into this. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to hire someone to do this for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a maximizer. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen to this and I'm like, man, I really don't want to go through this book. Uh, but it sounds so useful. I want to have someone do it. Let me tell you that I will go through the book again. I'll go through the whole book again. And uh -huh. this time with a pencil and mark every good quality that I want to ingest and give it some thought. Not that I'll necessarily have that good quality, but just to be aware of the virtues. This is a whatever things are good, give some thought to those things. It's, I, I do find it encouraging to spend time on something where people have put in millions of hours trying to identify the best of what we have to offer. There is something inspiring about it. Yeah. And maybe maybe we'll make it into a little webinar or seminar or 
gathering some year where if you want to do it, we've got a little club of people (laughs) who will meet once a month or once a week for uh, a few weeks to see what we get out of it. Yeah, you know what does sound fun is actually that part of it. Making it into a social event, that actually does sound fun to me. Uh, But yeah, doing it on my own, I don't know, reading this book on my own does not sound fun. Yeah. (laughs) But it'd be like the Myers-Briggs thing where if if I do it with people and we talk about it and we we label each other, we, 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 we all have these stickers and we just like, boom, you're this and this and boom, boom. And then, and then you go at the end of it and be like, oh, I got five learners. Uh-huh. I got, I got three maximizers. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be fun. Yeah. And then you find that some birds of a feather flock together and that yeah. some others make uh, exchange of favors for what their strengths are. That's segues into team building. Yeah. Which is what all of this was about, is how to, how to make better harmony within groups. Yeah. I'm going to bring this up to my team. Once this, this stupid COVID thing is over and we can actually get together and stick things onto each other, we're going to play that game. You should be there. I, I'd like to be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a question for them? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I've got a question for them because oh, okay. <laughs> the obvious question is, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And then you can have a thousand yeah. of these. But yeah. th- this might be a good one. Is there any one of these qualities that you prize most? Which one do you think is one of the most valuable things to have that you want? That way, the, the, the thought given to that puts a little responsibility back onto each person who shares what they prize most, that how will I develop this strength? Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Okay. In the comments, everybody, go, first, go go look up strengths finder list. Look at these 34 words, read about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then after, after hours of research, let us know which one is the most valuable. And if you're going to develop it further... You have to include worst case scenarios. Have you ever seen the nine types of girlfriend and the nine types of boyfriend on the internet? <laughs> God, that sounds like it wouldn't work anymore in today's but, society. But, do you, have you, uh, <laughs> I, but have you ever read what somebody wrote? The no, nine types I, of girlfriend and the nine types of boyfriend. They're very entertaining. It's the pros and cons of nine different types that you have probably been involved with in one way or another. They are exaggerated caricatures, but they're very funny because each one has a plus and a negative that is a plus and a minus that is, uh, that's recognizable and entertaining. So we could do that with these strengths. Sounds fun. All right. Thanks, Stan. (laughs) All right, Marshall. Thank you for, for learning me. Okay. Good talking to you. See you next week. All right. Bye.